This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal Transfer Show. Joining you every single morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me and making this a part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope you've had a good week. You made it to Friday. Congratulations. It's always a, a victory personally to be able to do that. I just, you know, week at a time. Just taking it like Mikel Arteta takes games. Just a game at a time, week at a time. Reaching Friday is a wonderful thing. Um, thank you to those that have continued to join us throughout the week, throughout this mini break, if you will, because there's no game for Arsenal this weekend. There is Premier League action, but no game for Arsenal this weekend as they embark on their trip to Dubai. They're out there at the moment. They're enjoying the sun, the warmth, and of course, some players are enjoying the first time with the football for a little while, which is uh, also great to see. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But good morning to those joining us in the chat box live. Glenn, Damien, Dominic, Paul, Steve, NSW, Amira, Marcus, Stevie, Ken, Paul, Damien, Stephen, uh, Pika Who, Richard, uh, Martin Barry, uh, Wendy, uh, Rath, Temi, Louis, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, if you would do me a visit, a visit, that's not the right word. You've done me a visit already, but if you would do me a favour and drop a like on the video, that would be, yeah, really appreciate it. So it just takes you one second, press that little thumbs up, and it really does help us out. If you listen on audio platforms, you can also leave a, a written review on iTunes or on Spotify. You can leave a five-star review as well. Someone mentioned to me that they weren't seeing the the, uh, the iTunes podcast. I checked yesterday, and they are showing... So do let me know if there's any issues. There's not much I can do about it, but just let me know and I can try and forward on a, a message. But they were showing the last time that I uh, that I checked. So I'm hoping that they're showing now. Right. Shall we get on with today's story? we got a signing to talk about. Uh, Arsenal have signed Emily Fox um, and uh, she has arrived for the North Carolina Courage, a defender to add to Jonas Eideval's group of players, 25-year-old uh, US international, 39 caps for her country. Um, and she'll come straight into the the Arsenal team for the second half of the season. Arsenal adding a number of defenders, in, in fact, of course, over the last year. Amanda Alstedt joined us in the summer from PSG, um, and now Emily Fox 
joining us as well. There's a lot of excitement about her as a signing. And let's hope that she can provide the depth, of course, with still Leah Williamson, not yet fully back and returned and still awaiting her return to action. We hopefully will get plenty of depth from the uh, the arrival of Emmy Fox. So that's a really positive. So welcome, Emily, to the Arsenal family. Uh, now, we need to talk about a big bit of news that dropped yesterday, and that is that Urian Timber has been spotted because Arsenal have made it very well known by producing and posting an image onto social media that indeed... He has returned to training and he is working with the ball, which is fantastic news for us. Um, really good to see it. Of course, I wouldn't get your hopes up still about a, a January return. He's certainly a little bit away from contact. You know, you do the the ball work, you get, you build up that muscle, you build up that uh, muscle memory as well. You need to train and you need to get up to level of fitness. You need to make sure the knee is, is fully strengthened. We're going through that strength and conditioning as well. And really, it is um, great to see Yuri and Timber back on the field. It's been so long since we last saw him with a ball. Uh, all the way back in August was when he got injured, remember? There's hope that March, you know, you never know. He could be back in March. That'd be great to see him back in March. We can keep our fingers crossed that he can be fit enough to, to take part in maybe our second round of the uh, the Champions League tie against uh, Porto. That'd be absolutely fantastic. So, Keep up the hard work, Yuri, and, and fingers crossed. And he was also seen with the squad, which is great as well. Another image was posted by the the Arsenal lot. Um, he's in and around the group. It's great for morale. It's great for, um, you know, that team bonding and team integration. To my understanding, he's been absolutely fantastic off the field while he's been out with the squad. He's integrated himself. He's still learning. He's obviously attending all those team meetings and learning from Arteta, tactically understanding what Arteta wants from his side. And he's integrating really, really well. So um, we need to get him back to full fitness. We don't need to rush him back. We just need to make sure that he comes back at the right time. So really, really good to see. Uh, Gabriel Jesus also returns. Um, images dropping of him involved with full training yesterday, which is great to see, of course, as well, because he had a knee issue, as we know, that he meant he missed the game against Liverpool in the FA Cup. He has returned, so Gabriel Jesus should be available for our game against Crystal Palace, barring any other issues leading up to that game at the Emirates. Not this weekend, but next weekend. So that's a really, really positive thing for us to see. Um, did we miss him? Well, I think Kai Havertz deserved to start the game. And, you know, there's even part of me that's able to start Kai Havertz again against Crystal Palace next week, because I think that his centre-forward performance was only lacking a goal, to be honest. It would have changed the entire rhetoric around uh, the understanding and analysis of that display. But Gabriel Jesus to return to give us more depth, more options, more variation is always going to be really, really positive. Now, our headline story of the day and final story to discuss before we go to part two and, and your questions is on Joshua Zerkzy, um, the Bologna centre-forwards, um, a player that has been linked with Arsenal, Sam Dean of The Telegraph reporting yesterday um, that Arsenal are keen on the player. However, at £50 million, it seems that the asking price is far beyond anything that Arsenal could be um, attempting to try and get during this window. The 22-year-old has scored seven goals and has got two assists in 19 Serie A games. I personally have my reservations about this. If we are going to go into the market and sign a, a striker in the summer, for me, it's got to be like a needle pusher, the the, the quality raiser. And whilst Joshua Zerxi is a, a good player and has got a lot of potential and, you know, threatened to to really show that talent when he was at Bayern Munich, of course, as well, I, I just struggle to believe that, that Xerxes is the guy 
to take us to that next level. I could be wrong. He could arrive at Arsenal and, and absolutely smash it, but these numbers I struggle with. I struggle to know whether or not that is the right level that we need. His goals per 90 aren't as good as Eddie Nketiah's, for instance. His non-penalty goals per 90 aren't as good as Nketiah. But he is a very collaborative player. You know, He does um, link up play very well. He creates plenty of shots for his for his teammates. Would it be different if he was in an Arsenal shirt? Probably. But would indeed he improve to a level where we wouldn't regret that type of deal? I think that there are worthy concerns to have around a potential deal for Joshua Xerxes, especially at a £50 million price tag that ultimately would also stop us from going out to the market and getting your Tonys, getting your um, your Ozymans. For me, like I want a, a real goal scorer that does have that ability to link play as well. You know, you've got my, and I've got my reservations about Ivan Tony, but I feel like Ivan Tony is a goal scorer. You know, you're looking at someone there as well that, that does score your goals. And I'm not sure Xerxes is, is that. His profile, of course, being younger. I think if we've got money going to the market and go and get like a striker like Goyakarez from, from Sporting, if you want to get a younger player, look at Boniface from Bayer Leverkusen. I just think you need to be looking at someone who's prolific rather than someone that's threatening to be prolific, which, which potentially Xerxes could be but Bologna um are a side in Serie A they're having a decent season and he is a big part of that so maybe that is a big reason behind why we're linked right let's go to part two then and your questions right after this hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Uh, I want to give a shout out before we go into your questions to two uh, content creators in particular who I joined yesterday for some fantastic chats. First of all is Deluded Guna. If you've not already watched the show I did with DG, hop over to his channel. Um, fantastic guy. Does so much work. Really dedicated with what he does. He's as prolific, if not more prolific than me with his uploading. Um, and uh, I mean, if you're not subscribed, I don't know why you're not, because you should be. Um, but he's a great lad, does some great stuff. I watched a video of his the other day talking about, you know, the the pressures of YouTube and even potentially even leaving YouTube as well. So I think he's in a period where he could really do with your support. So head over there, tell him how much and tell him how great he is, because he is that, and go and support the stuff that he does. It was a really great chat. So I recommend going and having a listen to that. Um, we don't, and we don't agree on everything either. Like um, we talk about Kai Havertz differently. We talk about, I think, a number of other things differently. So it's a really, really enlightening conversation. Uh, I'd also give a shout out to our good friend to the show, which I know you all love, Mr. Dan Potts, um, who I joined yesterday with former Arsenal striker Kevin Campbell for a chat about uh, Mikel Arteta and kind of where we are and where the process is. And if you haven't watched that, it was quite the show. Now, you know, we think the trolls in our chat box can be bad. My goodness me. My goodness me, they don't hold back over there. No hold barred is what I would say over there. It is 
you know, names being called under the sun, abuse like you wouldn't believe. Got thick skin, I can take it. Um, but it was good fun, good chat, and uh, I'd recommend going and giving it a watch. Just to, if you can, just to replay the chat box. <laughs> oh, Dan said to me, Dan dropped me a line. He was like, do you want to do anything about these? And I'm like, no, mate, don't worry about it. It's fine. You know, they, they, they're angry. Let them get their anger out. Let them get their frustrations out, you know. Let them say what they want to say. It's water off a duck's back with me at the end of the day. You know, they're not they're not crossing any any lines too much. Um, they're harmless, is what they are. Uh, yeah, Tom, lots of clown emojis. You gotta love a clown emoji. You gotta love one of them. <laughs> I can't articulate my comment and reply, so instead I'm gonna formulate it into an emoji of a circus character. That's uh, that's 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 the strategy, isn't it? Um, Vanajuti says, would you be tempted to go for Evan Ferguson from Brighton in the summer? Or has he not progressed so much this season? The problem with Evan Ferguson, brilliant, talented player. You know, really exciting talent. But he's only just signed a brand new contract at Brighton. It's going to be really expensive. I don't know if Arsenal can get Evan Ferguson out of Brighton without paying a humongous fee. I mean, look what happened with Caicedo. What, £115 million for Caicedo? Who's not actually had the best of seasons. He's certainly not improved from his time at Brighton last season. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't see that being worth it, really, to to go down that uh, that that pathway. Uh, Abdul says, "I feel that the main issue with Jesus is that he always sits out due to injury, so he never really gets it um, back to his regular level. It happens every damn time. Uh, Got to feel bad for him. Yeah, he has suffered with his injury problems. That's why in the summer we need to be looking for another centre forward if we can to try and bring one in. That needs to be." The aim. Uh, Alex says, hi, Tom. Now that Timber is back in training, when do you think we'll see him back on the pitch? Again, I think March is the earliest that we'll see Yuri and Timber. It's really difficult to judge, you know, after, what, six, uh, less, just under six months of that recovery. Um, you had August, September, October, November, December, now January. We're, in the, we're into the, the potential sixth, sixth month now um, of that recovery. And you should be out on the field, you know, doing some ball work by that stage. He's looking really, really good. Um, but still he's some way back um, from building up that muscle. You know, I've, I've, I've personally experienced going through uh, an ACL surgery and then the gradual pace at which you get back. Now, of course, I don't have access to the amazing facilities and the rehabilitation training and the strength and conditioning, but it took me two years before I was back, you know, playing football after doing my ACL properly. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a long process, but he's looking great. And uh, if you... If you kind of look at the the drills they're doing, it's kind of one touch passing. It's just like a light pass into a small goal. There's nothing contact. He'll be he won't be with the team. I don't imagine for a little while yet. And uh, doing the contact stuff, it's a it's all well and good doing your kind of running and side to side passing. And uh, but it's kind of the 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 knee, the ACL itself. If you, if you think of your knee being kind of like a straight pillar, and you've got your knee in the middle holding these two things that can turn away from one another like that. It's the ACL stops it from like imagine this is your knee bending back and forth, um, even though knees don't really do that. You know what I mean? Going like this, but the knees, the, the ACL stops it from kind of like shifting from from side to side and coming out of place. So um, that's why when you twist and you turn when you're uh, moving or you know kind of deceiving opponents and Timber's movement is excellent in that regard. He loves to try and deceive a player, faint and move in one direction and then go back another direction. It's so easy to do your ACL again because of those quick turns and movements and you need it to be strengthened. Now, I don't know what specific uh, surgery Timber has had. You can have different types of surgeries to fix ACLs. You can have what's known as a cadaver surgery, which is where you have like a um, 
someone who has passed away has donated their ACL, which you can have then inserted back into your into your knee in place of your ACL. Because once you've done your ACL, it's done. Like it's it's it doesn't repair itself. Um, I don't think it has a blood supply, so that creates. Whereas you have like the MCL, I think does have a blood supply, which means it, it can to to a degree repair. But the ACL once it's it's torn, once sorry, once it's ruptured, it's done. So if you rupture it typically either you have the cadaver surgery or what you have is something called a tendon surgery which is they reconstitute some of your hamstring when in my case that's what i had your hamstring tendons are reconstituted into a brand new acl so uh it depends what what surgery he had as to to you know the likelihood of it happening again but your players can come recover really really well from knee injuries look at martinelli you know he had a knee injury really serious one and recovered fantastically from that so and he's not had any really big issues since that either um tepid says tom what do you think about spurs's business so far i personally think Werner is a decent uh low cost option and dragusin is one of the favorites uh look at his agent comments uh for a good old laugh at spurs uh, i have not seen that yet um but um Dragusin is a really interesting young player, uh, centre-half, 21, 22 years of age. Um, I wrote a piece about him maybe saying that Spurs, you know, have got their own version of of a young centre-back who's going to prove things. He's going to be talked about in the same kind of circles as Saliba. We'll have to wait and see. That's a big, big ask for him, but he is a good signing. Um, Werner, I'm quite glad that we've not seen the we-could-have-signed-Werner uh, calls. I'm really quite glad that's the case. He was struggling to get into the RB Leipzig side after returning back from Chelsea. I really don't think there was any need for Arsenal to go and sign Timo Werner. I don't think it would have changed things for us much, if anything. Uh, Temi says, my theory, a certain French striker we had back in the day uh, bleached his skin and got a German passport and is back to haunt us with getting in good positions but not scoring. Um, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Temi, to be honest. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, Baza says, always wondered why players returning from knee injuries rarely wear any type of knee brace and support. I'm sure there is a reason, but surely it aids in recovery until... Yeah, and I think, you know, the reason why they don't is because what can happen is when you wear supports, what you can often do and what the body can often do is kind of undercompensate because it believes it's got the support of that support that's there. So if you think about the fact that... Um, if if you're constantly walking around with like a support, let's let's talk. Let's use a complete wild example, like a Zimmer frame, you know, like that. You think about a Zimmer frame. You you walk in one of those things. Like if you're if you're not walking without that, your body is never getting used to walking or working without that artificial support. Um, and so if you've had an injury and you need like crutches, that's probably a better example than a Zimmer frame, you know, crutches, you're encouraged after that surgery that you have, like the day after I had my ACL surgery, I was encouraged to try and put weight onto my knee immediately because you need to try and build up that strength as soon as feasibly possible. So if you're stuck on crutches for a long time, if you're stuck using a support for a long time, it, can't, it it's not going to enable the knee to build up the strength it needs to be back to its absolute peak. So that's why you don't typically see people wearing supports for those types of injuries. Of course, sometimes you'll see other others wear supports for certain other things. Like you think about Andy Murray, who wears his ankle supports. But that's a very different situation. Um, and But at ACL, you want to help that knee build up after surgery to its absolute maximum strength. So that's why you won't really see um, the knee supports worn. Sometimes you can, but it's not it's it's not ideal um really because it's actually more detrimental to wear those supports than it is to to not wear them um 
Let's go to bum, 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 scroll up a little bit more to anything that we've missed. Uh, Dennis says, I hope the Netherlands don't select Xerxes for the Euros, even. Uh, oh, sorry, for Timber, we're talking about here. I hope Netherlands don't select Timber for the Euros, even when he's back in March. They need the guy to rest all summer. There were reports that came out of the Netherlands that he wasn't being picked. That could change if he returns quickly. You know, that could that could change very, very quickly indeed. So I guess we will have to wait and see. Uh, Graham says, morning, Tom. Given our restrictions on profit and sustainability at present, when are we likely to be able to spend freely again? Is the summer transfer window maybe also too soon? No, that, the summer transfer window should be okay. You're measured on a three-year basis, but you can afford five to 35 million pounds worth of losses across each of those years. So 105 million uh, across the three. Now you may have seen some stories yesterday coming out about Newcastle. Newcastle are under a lot of pressure and they actually might have to sell one of their very key players for a lot of money to make sure that they continue to stay within the bounds of profit and sustainability. These rules are designed to make the league better. They're designed to stop teams from spending like crazy. The problem with these rules is that clubs like Manchester City have already had a really big head start. Had a really, really big head start. And financially, they're already, of course, under investigation for those alleged uh, 115 breaches. Um, so it's it's very difficult to um it's difficult to not be frustrated by those rules because of course, whilst Arsenal would love to spend more, we can't. We've also we've all shown that we'd love to spend more, or how much we have spent. But uh these rules in place, sadly, of stopping us and a lot of other teams from being able to do that. Uh, Prem um, says, uh, in Dan's podcast, uh, you guys were talking about emulating Pep's style and that we want to be there. But under the new financial rules, isn't it better to try and emulate Klopp's Liverpool? And is it sustainable? Uh, what I meant by that, Prem, by, what I meant by emulating Pep is, is just being the champions. That That is all I meant by that. That's where we want to be. We want to be where Pep's Man City are in the sense of winning the title, winning leagues, winning Champions Leagues. That's the aim. That's where we've got to be. And what you often see, and if you ever get into a debate with someone who's a bit of an Arteta skeptic or even as far as an Arteta out or even as far as an Arteta abuser, um, what you often see is the whole Arteta's had 700 million in four years. That is often something that you see given. And for me, that's a ridiculous kind of comment to make because all that does is, I think, expose the person saying it is someone that doesn't want to apply context, doesn't want to apply the bigger picture. If you want to look at how much is being spent, Look at how much has been spent at Man City since Pep Guardiola took over. That is what should be measured because that's what we're up against. That's who we're. That's who we are charging Arteta with trying to emulate, not only emulate but to beat, to beat in a title race, to beat as a manager. That's what we're tasking Arteta with. So instead of going, we've spent this much since Arteta's come in. No, you want to look at how much we've spent and how much Man City have spent since Pep Guardiola came into his position at Man City because that's what we're up against. Pep's Man City. There's no point looking at what Man City have done since Arteta arrived. You want to look at what they've done since Pep arrived and that's the way in which you measure your competition. And the fact of the matter is, is that you want to look at what they've done and, and as Temi says here, Pep spent something like hundreds of millions on defenders in a single season, in a single summer. So that is that is what ultimately you need to, I think, measure what we're up against. Because that is what we're up against. Yes, he spent 700 million or whatever it is. I, don't, I think, is it even worth trying to work out how much Arteta has spent in, in those years? It often is, because I think sometimes there's a bit of a misconception. Shall we, do, shall we do the math? We should probably do the math, shouldn't we, of how much Arteta has spent. According to transfer marks, which is obviously not always 100% accurate, but it's the most accurate that we can get at the moment. It's measured in euros, so we'll have to do a... Uh, 
we'll have to do a, a quick um, conversion at the end. So according to Transomart, in 23-24, we have spent £234 million. Okay. Uh, we look at uh, 2022, we spent 191.9. In 2021, we spent 167.4. Uh, and in 2020, we spent 86. So this is 600, and that I should take off any that we didn't buy. In 1920, we also signed Marie for 8 million euro fee, and we also signed Cedric, but that didn't cost anything. Anything else? No, it was just that. So what we've got there is 687 million euros according to transfer mark worth of spending so now we need to convert that into pounds so 687.3 that is 590 million pounds that Arteta spent so you know when to, uh, fans turn around and said he's had 700 million in four years he's actually had less than 600 million um so whenever you get into those debates first of all you can say well a you're not even using the right amount of money <laughs> <laughs> you're not even using the right amount of money at all what should, should we do the outgoings as well so we can get like a what is it a net spend uh so remember that number 590 million is what you spent what we've made is going to be very interesting in that amount of time did we make any january signings in 2020 no we didn't okay so 2021 19 19.15 um 2021.31.4 2022.5 23.8 and 2020 and 2023 67 that's much better <laughs> 0.9 so that's 142 so remember that number 590 142.25 uh, it's 122 pounds 22 so 590 minus 122 equals so net spend 468 million in Arteta's four years so just over 100 million per season basically net spend wise but it is funny when people say Arteta's had 700 million in four years isn't it because he's had 590 uh, <laughs> I didn't realize it was that far off I didn't realize that people were lying that badly imagine being 110 million pounds out imagine being 110 million pounds out of your claim that's mad that's some like no I'm not going to get political I nearly got political there <laughs> I was going to say, it's nearly like putting £350 million on an NHS bus. That's, that's nearly what it's akin to, isn't it? Um, <laughs> don't want to go all Brexit. But £110 million quid that they're not even talking about. That's crazy. Uh, Aditya says, follow up to my earlier question with some context. Fabio Vieira is specifically sent there to develop as a centre attacking midfielder. And those positions are crowded in top championship sides and someone like a Rosinha uh coaching him who are we talking about did you need to follow up on this comment i was intrigued by the low move for fabio cavallo oh, sorry i thought you were talking about Vieira. fabio cavallo from liverpool who's who's gone to hull as a perfect fit to coach a player like him regardless of the interest from top champ sides why not do this for some hailing graduates and i agree we've recently changed our, our head of loans uh, ben napper was our previous head of loan i think that he he's now left someone else has come into that position i, I don't know if i can find out arsenal head of loans um, Sam Habel is our new loan manager uh, after Ben Napper left. So uh, he will be in charge of, well, he'll be in, in consultation with obviously the likes of Pear and Arteta and Edu about our loan. So yeah, you're you're right, Aditya. We should we should use the championship. And we are, to be fair. You look at Charlie Patino at the moment. He's he's out there in the championship and has done 
very, very well, I think, uh, since moving out there as well. Um, any other players? Runison is at Cardiff at the moment this season. Uh, anyone else? We've got, I'm looking at some of our other kids. Uh, some of them are like Wigan, I think more League One, like Omar Rekic. Norton Cuffey is with Millwall this season. Um, Mauro Bandera. Where's Mauro Bandera this season? Uh, he is on loan for Chesterfield, uh, Colchester, sorry, um, this season, I think, who are in League Two. So he's playing in League Two. So we've got a lot of like lower um, players in the footballing league. Um, but yeah, I think that absolutely you're right. Maybe we should look to send Marquinhos again. He went to Norwich last season. I think that he will probably end up returning during this window. Um, but let's wait and see. Uh, Dwayne says, Tom, rival fans always bring up the amount Arteta spent with his job was to reset the entire club. Pep didn't have to do that. Hughes and Mancini and Pellegrini. It's a great point, you know. Like, Pep Guardiola used so many of the existing players because they were already brilliant players at Man City when, when Pep arrived. Yes, he made some key changes like taking out um, Joe Hart, for instance. But if you look at Man City, all Trent, Man City squads. When did he win his first title with... Um, when did Pep win his first title with Man City? It was in... Was it 2017 or 2018? Uh, 2018, he won his first title. So if we have a look at the Man City squad, 2017-18. That's what I want to have a look uh, at their squad during that season. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Let's have a look at the squad. Where is it? Here we go. So Claudio Brava, he definitely brought in. Kyle Walker, I think he signed Kyle Walker, didn't he? Uh, Yes, he did. Um, Danilo, he signed. Vincent Company was already there. John Stones uh, arrived in the same summer that Pep did. Uh, Raheem Sterling. Where did Raheem Sterling arrive at Man City uh, before Pep did? So Sterling was already there. Ilkay Gundogan, when was he? I think he arrived under Pep. Uh, he did during one of his first seasons. Um, Really fantastic signing that was Ilkay Gundogan. Uh, Aguero was already there, of course. Laporte they brought in under um, Pep. Elikim Mangala, I think, was already there. Kevin De Bruyne. When did Kevin De Bruyne arrive at Man City? 2015. So he was there before. Kevin De Bruyne was there before Pep Guardiola was there. Uh, Leroy Sané, did he arrive during uh, Pep's reign? Uh, yes, he did. Um, who else have we got? Bernardo Silva definitely did. David Silva was already there. Uh, Benjamin Mendy, I think, brought in under Pep. Uh, Fernandinho was already there, I think. Um, pretty sure he was. Yes, he was. Um, Zinchenko, I think, came under him. Yaya Toure was already there. Um, so you've got some massive, massive players, like world-class level players that were already there when Pep came in. And then Arteta's, what he's done when he's come in, is had to rip up everything change it all out with 590 million quid over four years and uh, and has turned Arsenal from a side that he took over in 11th place and turned them into a side that now their fans say if he doesn't win a title he needs to be sacked that's where we're kind of at with with the Arteta project um <clears throat> Benji says the Arteta spending situation is a tough one I agree with the most of your points about it but Arteta has to contend with the fact that Jurgen Klopp got Liverpool this good with a shoestring budget uh, shall we have a look at how much Klopp has spent that's probably the next thing isn't it how much has Klopp spent on transfers? Um, boom, 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 boom. Uh, and remember, they've had a lot better in terms of selling. Um, Arteta's not had the benefit of of, uh, of what Klopp has had to do with selling. But we should probably have a look um, at what Klopp has spent during his years as Liverpool manager. Uh, he joined the club in 2015. It took him five years before he got his first title. 
um, his first Premier League title. He won the Champions League in, in four. Uh, so let's go back through to 2015, shall we? Uh, this is I like this. This is fun. If you're not enjoying this, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> if you didn't expect to do a maths lesson before you started school, I can only apologise. Um, but yes, he joined for the 2015 season. Was it during the season or was it during uh, the start? So October 15th. So we can't include the summer of 2015. We include the January. So we signed Marco Grujic in that January of 2015, of 2016, sorry. Now we go to the, the, the big business. So 79 million in first season. Uh, okay. Uh, 173.65 in his second season. Uh, 182. For someone who said this was a shoestring budget, this is kind of crazy, isn't it? Uh, 10 million in the 1920 season. Um, which I think was the year that they won the league. Was it? Was it the year that they won the league? Um, it was honors nineteen twenty. Yes, so nineteen twenty. So at this point, four hundred and fifty-one million. Um, and of course, you have to remember the, the existing quality that was already there during that season. Um, so I think you're looking at around four hundred million. We carry on. So uh, that's that's twenty twenty one. So twenty yeah twenty twenty one eighty four point zero five. At 87 in 2021, uh, 142.3 in 2022, and 172 million in 2023. So that's 900. Uh, you're keeping track, people. 937 million euros. The 937.2. So Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool have spent 800. And five million pounds. They've won one tight one Premier League title uh during those nearly nine years um that Jurgen Klopp has been there. Could they win a second title this season? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Shall we do the net spend? So someone write that down. Uh, nine hundred so what was it? Eight hundred and five million is what he spent. Shall we have a look at what they've sold? They will have sold significantly more than Arsenal. They've been way better at selling than Arsenal have. So nothing in that January window. Uh, let's go to that second season. 85 and 184. Incredible. Uh, add 41, add 48, add 17, add 29, add 80, add 60. 544, which is about what Arteta has actually spent. Uh, 544. So that's 400. 467 million pounds is what they've managed to sell during their time. That Coutinho deal and Suarez. And Suarez, I think, was slightly before. Was it the year before they lost? Um, they got Klopp. If they got Klopp in 2015, when did they sell Suarez? They sold Suarez in 2013. Was it how long ago did they sell Suarez? Let me find it. Did they sell Suarez during Klopp's tenure? Uh, it was the, the summer before, yeah, 2014. So they had a lot of money coming from Suarez. Then they had a lot of money coming for Raheem Sterling. And then a lot of money. Wow, they sold Ben Teke for 30 million quid. And a lot of money coming for Coutinho during Klopp, 135 million euros for, for Coutinho. When did Coutinho actually arrive at Liverpool? 2012. So he arrived before Klopp did. This is what I mean. Like The benefit that Liverpool have had is, yes, we say, I, I wouldn't say shoestring budget, Benji, is the way forwards, to be honest. Like, they have their net spend is about 350. Uh, it's very similar to ours, to be fair, but they've obviously been able to spend more because they've had so many more 
selling assets, you know, than us, than we have. So whilst we've had to, Edu and Arteta have come in in 2019 and we've had to rip up everything and, you know, move off these players that have not been worth a thing. It's really, it's been really annoying that we had to start on kind of this back foot in compared to those. Um, so, yeah, they had the money in for Suarez, but just before Klopp arrived and they've been able to sell Coutinho for a huge, and Coutinho obviously came in before Klopp arrived as well. Um, huge benefit, huge, huge benefit. Sterling uh, coming in too. It's just so frustrating really, isn't it, when you think about it, that they've been able to do these things. Sterling obviously came from QPR and then came through the ranks there as well. So I think that he probably counts as pure profit as well on their on their uh, their banking sheets or whatever they're called. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say that they're on a shoestring budget, Benji, to be honest. Um, and I would say that obviously they've spent £805 million on players and they've won one title in nearly nine seasons. So we talk about how much Arteta has spent, which is 590 million, not 700 million, like some people want to tell you. Um, and we're obviously now in the Champions League for the first time this season. And we challenge for the title within three full seasons. And in this fourth season, we're hoping to do it successively again, trying successive to successive title challenges. So, yeah. And the thing is, Liverpool have been up there with Man City, but they've never been able to touch them other than that season during COVID, which, of course, they was the season that this... I always put that little asterisk next to that season because it was the COVID season. Um, but uh, I, know, I know Liverpool fans will not be happy with that at all. Um, Brian says, how many players did Arteta inherit from Emery and Wenger? Um, if you want to talk about like senior players, I know people like to say that he inherited Smith-Rowe and Saka, and you're technically right. He did inherit them, but he also established those players. Um, Emery played Saka in four starts of 13 Premier League opportunities. And then, of course, Arteta's come in. And as soon as Arteta's come in, he played him in 15, uh, 15 uh, of 20 Premier League games. I think 15 starts, in fact, in 20 uh, Premier League games. So uh, that he could have played him for during his first season. So you look at the establishment difference between Saka. But inherited, obviously, Bamiang, who he sold. Oh, well, he sold, which got rid of. Lacazette, who has, has left. Ozil, who we were kind of, you know, done with at that stage. Shall we have a look at the 2019-20 Arsenal squads? It's probably a good thing to do. If you're not enjoying this, I'm really sorry. This is something different. We don't, you know, shake it up a little bit. So our season during the 1920, this is what Arteta inherited. Leno, Bellerin, Tierney, Elneny, Socrates, Mkhitaryan, Danny Ceballos, Lacazette, Ozil, Torreira, uh, Abamyang, Maitland-Niles, Rob Holding, Cedric Suarez, Nicolas Pepe, Mustafi, Chambers, Marie, Louise, Nelson, Martinez, um, who was the backup goalkeeper at that time, Joe Willock, Genduzi, Nketiah, Mavropanos, Kalasinac, Smith-Rowe, Xhaka, Martinelli, Saka, Saliba, who was on loan at Saint-Étienne during that season. You, I mean, you look at the difference in the team now. You know, you look at, we've gone from Bert Leno in goal, obviously, to to having uh, either one of Rare or Ramsdale. Our right-back was a very heavily injured Hector Bellerin or Chambers or Cedric, and we've gone from that to Ben White and Yuri and Timber. Our centre-backs, yes, he inherited Saliba. That's fine. I don't mind talking about him inheriting Saliba. I've got no qualms with that. But he's obviously the one that integrated him into the first-team squad. It's worth pointing out. Um, Saliba and Gabriel and White can obviously play there. You know, Kivior is a backup. Tomiyasu is a backup as well. We went from... Centre back options like David Luiz and Mustafi uh, during that season. Mavropanos still there. Um, Pablo Marie, he brought in as kind of a, an emergency addition to the squad as well at that time. 
I'm trying to look at any other centre backs that we had. Do we have any? Socrates was another centre back they inherited as well. Um, left backs. What left backs did we have? Kalasinac, I think. Who was the other left back? Was Monreal still here? I don't think so. Kalasinac and who? Who was the other left back? I'm looking. I'm struggling. Tierney, of course. Tierney, of course it was Tierney. <laughs> struggling there. So inherited Tierney. Uh, in midfield, um, we had Xhaka. We had Torreira. We had uh, Willock. We had Genduzzi. We had uh, Smithrow wasn't really playing at that point. He was on loan at Huddersfield. Um, Mkhitaryan was there. Ozil was there. Um, again, we've changed that to Thomas Partey, Declan Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard, Fabio Vieira. Smithrow has been obviously developed into the player that we have him as today. Um, Kai Havertz, you could argue, is part of that squad as well. Forward line, Lacazette, Pepe, um, and uh, Lacazette, Pepe, and Aubameyang were kind of the main three during that season. And then obviously we brought in Willian in the summer of 2020. 2020? And then we eventually, he established Saka into the squad. He established Smith-Rowe as kind of that left-sided player. He started using Joe Willock a bit more as well. Mkhitaryan he didn't really use. Um, and now we have options like, obviously, Saka and Jesus and Martinelli. He inherited Martinelli, it's worth pointing out as well. But he's obviously, Martinelli had that knee injury and then he's developed into the player that he's found him in today. Do you remember when people used to say that Arteta hates Martinelli? I remember that. I think we talked about that yesterday. Uh, I remember when people used to say, Arteta hates Martinelli. He never plays him. Now look, <laughs> so different. It's amazing how things change as well. And yeah, Amira says, some of those names, it feels like that was 10 years ago. It does, doesn't it? It was only four. It was only four and a half years ago, basically. Uh, four years ago, in fact. It was four years ago, weren't it? Um, just just gone past the fourth year of Arteta. And that's what he inherited. And you look at our squad now. Liverpool, Man City, Pep have been able to take players that they had at that club already. You know, they were able to take on those players that they already had. Uh, Liverpool 2015 16. Uh, let's have a look at what Klopp inherited and used. Oh, you have to remember he won that title in 2019 20. So there's going to be players in that squad that uh, aren't going to be in the squad now. Does it give me the squads? Squad statistics. Um, interesting. I tell you what, Klopp did inherit a pretty meh team. <laughs> there were some obvious standout players. But there were some real questionable players. He's really, he, I mean, they have spent like £805 million, obviously, very, very well. There's some questionable signings on that £805 million, But that £805 million that they've spent, you know, is is, is very good. Uh, Klein, Torre, Lovren, Milner, Benteke, Coutinho, Roberto Firmino, uh, Joe Gomez. You'd think that he would have inherited Firmino, but he actually didn't. Uh, sorry, in fact, he bought Firmino, but he didn't. He inherited him. Um, Joe Gomez, Jordan Henderson. Daniel Sturridge, Mamadou Sacco, Alberto Moreno, Stephen Corker. I remember Stephen Corker. I always remember Stephen Corker playing elsewhere. Um, Adam Lalana, Lucas, Lucas Leiva, I remember him. Uh, Simon Mignolet, Emre Chan, Joe Allen, Thiago Elore, Divock Origi, Danny Ings, Jordan Ibe, uh, Martin Skirtel, John Flanagan. Um, who else? Are we? Uh, anyone else worth mentioning? No, no one else. They're all kids other than that. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy, isn't it, really, uh, what Klopp and Arteta inherited. Um, but ultimately, Klopp's been able to spend a bit more freely than, than Arteta. And obviously, during that time, he had he had one target in those title races, really, which was, uh, which was Man City. I think you had Chelsea up there for a season as well. Um, but mainly, they've, they've been up against Man City. And, uh, oh, goodness me, it's been... It's been a journey for all these managers. It really has. But that's it's still for me is Arteta's playing catch up. Arsenal are playing catch up behind Liverpool and Man City. The money that they've spent, 
the money that they were able to bring in, the squads they were able to build at the point that Arteta took over and then he had to rebuild the squad. Always playing catch-up is what we are. We're playing catch-up. And to do the, the job that we did last season and to see us hopefully compete again this season, it's a hell of an achievement. Um, I know everyone's not happy with that, and that's fine. You're entitled to your opinions if you can back it up. Um, but for me, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite the difference, quite the change that we've had over these these fair few years. Um, shall we go back into the chat? I think we should. Um, Darren says, "Stop, Tom, you're depressing me." <laughs> hey, look, don't be depressed. Think about where we've come, where we've changed. Think about the squad we've got now. Think about what we came from. That team in 2019-20. Think about the players we had, and think about the squad we have now, and the work that has been done to change that. Incredible work to change and overhaul this squad in in four seasons. Um, unbelievable work. Uh, Chun Ho says, if we were to choose one star to sell to progress the team in the next two years, who would your who would you choose to let go of? Um, who would you choose to let go of? If we were to choose one star to sell, it depends what you count as star, doesn't it? Because I would have said Smith Rowe was a star um, two years ago, um, but I don't think I'd call him a star player now so it's difficult isn't it so it depends who you count i would have said smith rowe is one of our stars i'll say i'll say smith rowe because i think i should i should be able to count smith rowe so get 40 million in for smith rowe and uh if you can get 40 million and reinvest it i think that's probably the the one that you'd go with um yeah, I'll say Smith Rowe. I answers. I think in the summer that we're going to buy another hundred million pound player, and contract renewals are important as well for our star players. And for that, we need to challenge. Do you know what we also need to do? Do you know what we need to do as a club and be better at? Is we need to be better at free deals. We need to be better at signing players on freeze. That's something that I really, really think Arsenal should improve on because you look at Real Madrid and you look at what they've been able to do at times. You think about the signings that Real Madrid have been able to make. Did, did David Alaba arrive on a, on a free transfer? I think we've done the all transfers thing. We did Real Madrid. We talked about them the other day. Uh, Antonio Rudiger arriving on a free transfer. I know that Real Madrid have got the, the clout and the history and the weight and the ability to sign those players on freeze. But I really do think that we need to be better at this. Um, if we have a look at the players whose deals are expiring in 2024, are there any interesting ones that we could have added? So according to transfer marks, these are the players that are, whose deals are expiring on, on freeze um, this summer. Kylian Mbappe. Anyone, anyone fancy Kylian Mbappe? That'd be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> Signing Kylian Mbappe. That'd be all right. Um, Adrian Rabio, Piotr Zielinski, fantastic midfielder, 29 years of age though. So maybe age is a problem, but I suppose there's a free deal. Not too bad at all. Mario Hermoso, Atletico Madrid. Guido Rodriguez, we've been linked to him. Um, Daichi Kamada, I thought he only just signed. That can't be right. That surely can't be right. Yeah, he's a co contract option for three years. He's uh, That doesn't make any sense. I don't really know why he's on there. Uh, would have been a great player, obviously, to potentially get. Josh Brownhill is at Burnley. 18 million euro market value. Uh, Wilfred and Didi. Rafa at Benfica, Rafa Silva, very good player, but he's 30 years of age now. Gabigol, so remember Gabigol, his contract's expiring. Um, Ian Nacho, Che Adams, Alex Mere at Napoli, the goalkeeper. I'll tell you what, Alex Mere on a free, keep Ramsdale, send Brentford back Raya. Alex Mere on a free would be a great deal for Arsenal to do. He is injured at the moment. I don't know how long he's injured for. Uh, let's have a look. It will tell me. Hamstring returning February 5th. If his contract expires, Alex Mere in the summer, 
that's a great option. Oh, he has an option for a further year. Okay, so that doesn't work. So that's what you have to look out for sometimes. But that would have been a great idea. You know, bring Alex Murray. I mean, even signing him on a free, on a, on a low deal might be worth it. He's a good goalkeeper, is Alex Murray. So, yeah, um, that might be something to look into. Tony Cruz, Koke, Jorginho, of course, as well. Um, Valentin Barco, but he's signing for, for Brighton in a deal this January. Um, Claudio Echeverri signing for uh, Manchester City. Uh, Josh De Silva from Brentford, of course, formerly of of Arsenal. Anyone else? Tosin Adarabio, centre-back for Fulham. He's highly rated. His contract apparently is expiring soon. Oh, someone called Nicolas Pepe is on this list. Never heard of him before. Uh, <laughs> we're Sam Ben Yedda, 33-year-old at Monaco now. No, I think that no, there's not loads of... I think last summer there were some real big opportunities in the window. Um, but I do think Arsenal need to be better at free transfers. I think it's something that we need to look into. Um, adding some quality depth. You know, you can offer a one-year deal, offer 18-month contracts, two-year contracts, if you like, one year with an option. Um, I think that's something that we should be better at as a club, signing players on on freeze. But um, almost as I'm playing FIFA career mode. The thing is, the difference between me playing FIFA career mode and what this actually is, which I don't think is a fair... Playing FIFA career mode is when you, like, stack up loads of players and put loads of price tags next to them as if they're realistic. Arsenal signing players on a free and looking what players are available on free transfers is certainly not what I would describe as the metaphor of, of, of a video game analysis. Arsenal need to be better at signing players on free contracts. I don't think that is um, a wild uh, estimation. Is Rafa Guerrero on a free? I mean, we have a lot of left backs. I'm not sure that's the that's the way forward. Um, but uh, well, yeah. I think I've, I've stated that pretty clearly now. Uh, Amira says, I remember asking you last season why we don't sign free agents. And I think you said something along the lines of there's a reason why they're free agents. <laughs> Has that changed? Yeah, I think I've changed my mind, you know, Amira, on that. Um, I was probably a bit too dismissive. So, yes, I'll hold my hands up and change my mind. I've changed my mind. Um, I'm more open to the idea of free agents, if indeed about. That said, I do remember saying that I would have signed Rafael Guerrero last summer. I feel like I did say that last summer. So maybe it was two summers ago. Um, maybe it was before that. But Amira, if, if I did say that, I'll hold my hands up. I've changed my mind. What's the point in having a mind if you don't change it? Eh? Um, A16 says, why do we have this obsession around players that everyone we sign has to be young just to get experienced midfielders that is a total D-head <laughs> to get some spirit? I'd love uh, Rodrigo DePaul. I think it's more around the the finances of those deals. If you sign a 28-plus-year-old, you're not going to make much money back. Um, the longevity of those players as well. I agree, and experience is important. And I actually remember asking Arteta about this in a press conference, talking about the value of experience, the value of having older players in the group. And he agreed that it is really, really important to have those players. And having an, a really experienced midfield like we do with Partey, Elneny and Jorginho. I mean, Declan Rice has got over 200 Premier League appearances. He's pretty experienced for a 24-year-old. So, you know, I do think that... Um, I do think it's worth remembering that having experience is key, um, but we do get a bit obsessed about having younger players in the group, but we have the third youngest squad in the league, so we probably have scope to add some some depth um, in terms of experience as well. Uh, Radita says, Manuel Neuer is available on the free. Has he not signed a brand new contract yet? Has he not signed a new deal with Bayern? That seems mad if he hasn't done. That would be a little bit crazy if he's not signed a new deal with Bayern yet. Um... Tepid says, Tom, I remember seeing a Fabrizio Romano video stating, here we go on our array of permanent. Um, do you? Do you indeed? Shall we double check that? 
Fabrizio Romano, David Raya. Let's have a look if indeed. Um, David Raya, uh, he didn't say here we go. He said David Raya deal will be permanent as soon as possible. FFP reasons made it an initial loan of 3 million plus a 2 million option. I think I don't know why he said 2 million option. 2 million option. 2 million option. That seems a bit crazy. What do you mean 2 million option? I assume that's meant to be 27 million option. Um, so, yeah, he says it will be made permanent as soon as possible. My understanding from the from speaking to someone close at the club is that the idea of signing him on a permanent is getting ahead of ourselves. Um, you know, it's, it's we're getting ahead of ourselves if people are thinking about the option. That's what I've been told. That comes from someone at the club. So, um, as far as I'm aware right now, it is just a loan. And the decision about whether to make it permanent, I don't know whether that has been made. doesn't mean it will or won't. I'm not saying anything to do with it being will or won't. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it certainly is. I, 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 it certainly is, uh, I think, a, a deal that will get done. If I was to make a bet on it, I think he will sign on, on a permanent deal. So that's worth pointing out. Um, Clive's in the chat, behind on the show, loving the math squad review. Thanks, Clive. Love a bit of maths in the morning before 10 a.m., before 9 a.m. Can always appreciate that. I think, um, you know, the point of the maths was, A, people saying that Arteta spent 700 million talking out the backside. Not true. Um, B, you kind of get to understand what Arsenal are doing in terms of playing catch-up and the reality of that. I might write a piece about that, actually, today. It's given me a little bit of inspiration. I might talk about the catch-up that Arsenal have to do um, and why talking about the money that Arteta spent is not necessarily um, the way to measure uh, the success. The thing is that people say, well, what about Liverpool? Well, Liverpool aren't really the team that you've got to beat. I know they're top of the league right now, but Man City are the team with the title challenges. You know, they're the team that have got the head start on us, and even Liverpool have got that head start too. So, yeah, um, really worth it. Uh, Lars said, just missed the Chelsea math. I can't, the Chelsea math. The Chelsea math is... I can't do the Chelsea math. The reason why I can't do the Chelsea math is because they've only just got a new manager. They've just constantly changed managers. And look at them. Look at them. <laughs> look at where they are as a club. Yes, they'll say two Champions Leagues. I get it. I get it. I really do. Um, but still, look at look at, look at at where they are. If I want to be in a position where we're established. I want to be where uh, Man City and Liverpool are where we're in a position where... And you look at the two clubs, right, that didn't change their coaches. Look at the two clubs who have stuck by their coaches for the longest period of time in the Premier League. And that is Liverpool and that is Man City. Is there a single team in the Premier League that has had a manager longer than these two? I don't think so. Who have been the most successful English clubs since 2015? I think it is Man City. And I think Chelsea will be close. But I, I still think that obviously the two cha- the Champions League that Liverpool have won, the Premier League that they've won, the Cups that they've won, the League and FA Cups they've won over that period as well. The two most successful teams in England since Klopp arrived in 2015, I'm pretty sure, are both Liverpool and Man City. And unsurprisingly, they've been able to, to establish themselves as the two best teams with the longest serving managers. It's You can change and chop and change your managers. I want success sustained. That's what I want. I want sustained challenges. And I don't think that comes from chopping and changing your coaches um, like Liverpool. Uh, sorry, like uh, like Chelsea do. Because you look at where they are now. I mean, it is, it's. can you see them recovering from that position? They're going to be in so much profit and sustainability trouble. FFP is going to come for them. They, 
the moment they're in a semi-final of a League Cup that they might lose to Middlesbrough in. Um, so, yeah, it's very, very interesting to see what happens with Chelsea because I don't think they're going to get European football next season unless they have a really good second half of the campaign. Uh, Lynn says, uh, loved your show with Kevin Dan yesterday. However, I would like to know if Pep came to Arsenal, what the restraints... What are the restraints that he would have not been able to do any better? He would have done better than Arteta, Lynn. I think it's it's that's fact. He's the best coach in the world. He's the best coach of modern of the modern era. He's a better manager than Mikel Arteta. He, he would have done better than Arteta. There is very little, uh, you know. But I, I do. I am curious about the the slightly less spending he would have had. Uh, I say slightly, the significantly less amount of money he would have had to spend at Arsenal compared to City. I would have been very, very interested indeed. Um, he also wouldn't have inherited De Bruyne, David Silva, Fernandinho, Sergio Aguero. You know, as he, has, he inherited those players, whereas um, Arteta's had to change the entire squad and establish those young budding stars that were here like Saka and Smith-Rowe when, of course, he arrived as well. And he's had to establish those players in the team. So very, very different. Very different indeed. Um I saw a really funny... Where's the comment? Jell Ali says, please stop saying math. My American wife is having a field day. I've spent years telling her maths is not math. You have done me for a kipper top. It's math, mate. It's math. <laughs> it's just where I'm from. It's like when people really get annoyed at me saying sin rather than seen. It's just... It's, it's a colloquialism. It's dialect, isn't it? That's why I say, have you seen this? Have you seen that? I say sin. I'm sorry. It's from where I'm from. It's what I do. You can tell me to say seen. Have you seen this? Have you seen that? It's sin. It's just where I'm from. I'm sorry. It's just my accent. It's where I, I can't help it. Um, so it's just, it's math, mate. Math all, all the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. I think we'll end the show there. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you and do some morning math uh, with you. Uh, have a fantastic rest of your Friday. I may be back this afternoon. I probably will. We might do a phone-in show tonight, actually. Um, I'm really tempted to do a phone-in show tonight. I've got a free evening, so that might be a good idea. And uh, we can maybe do some math uh, together as well. Omar says, English people just aren't good at English. <laughs> English. Uh, no, you're right. We take it and we make it our own. That's what we do, math. Anyway, thank you, guys. Have a fantastic day. Um, and, uh, yeah, I will speak to you very, very soon. And as always, stay safe, stay well, and up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.